I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer we are back after two weeks of crazy conventions and insanity and with me as always is my cohort in crime miss rachel moore good evening jessica dwyer good evening miss moore back to you at the studio yes so we are back and boy do we have a giant load of stuff to talk about tv wise this episode basically that's going to be the most part of the show um because we have to catch up and we had some finales and some last episodes which i'm sure you've heard about online we had some we all we did was sit around in airports or <laughs> in waiting rooms and caught up on a lot of tv yeah pretty much that's what it comes down to um so <laughs> For um, let's just get into the week in geek right now, and then we will go to our massive TV recap section. Um, first off, if you were under a rock or under a shell, you oh, oh I see what you said. did. You see what I did there? That's about as witty as the trailer. Um, <laughs> it's wittier. I have to give you <laughs> So Michael Bay's very feared Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles appeared online in a trailer with. April O'Neil and uh as played by mouth <laughs> as played by Megan Fox. And uh everybody and their brother looked on in horror as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had human lips and <laughs> and and looked really horribly creepily. They, they got the mutant part right. <laughs> it, it, it was basically Shrek in a half shell but and because they didn't do it like make them look more realistic turtley. No, they, they made, made them look creepy. Cave and like, like he took off his mask, and I was like, ah, <laughs> like, put it back on. <laughs> it was like and, some kind of horrible monster moment. Like, yeah, you know how they got these scars? Oh no, I, I think the Joker was more attractive by far <laughs> than the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And on top of that, they have apparently changed the script to where and and if I, I posted the trailer on on FangirlMag.com, but. Honestly, I'll spare you having to watch it. <laughs> Basically, they have turned April O'Neil's character not into just a reporter. Now her father, who is no doubt, I'm guessing right now I'm saying it is Shredder in this. Right, clearly. Is is the responsible for making the turtles. So, and I don't know if our boy who's talking with his dulcet voice and slightly ratty features is supposed to be Splinter, but I... <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. He should be ashamed for being in this. Um. Oh, well, you know, I don't. He shouldn't because the idea of hey, we're going to do a teenage mutant ninja turtles movie. Count me in, and especially because you could go two ways. You could either really pay homage to the um, '90s campy wonderfulness, or you could go back to the source material, which is really gritty and dark and like, you know, Nolan it. Oh, actually, I I, I take it back. Um. Apparently, William Fitchner is Shredder. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, because, uh, and if that's supposed to be a surprise, um, I'm sorry, IMDb just ruined it for all of you. <laughs> so, maybe he is her dad, maybe he isn't. Either way, uh, Megan Fox doesn't look like William Fitchner, or not, or vice versa. <laughs> But, but he'd be cool, a lot cooler if yeah, she did. Any, yeah. So anyway, the 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 
the uh, ramifications of this trailer hit. Everybody memed it, turned them into Shrek. You had people changing the facial features using Photoshop to make them look better, which they did. And suddenly, uh, three or four days after the trailer hit, they announced they're having to reshoot a third of the film. That's a lot of film. And Michael yeah. Bay is coming in to supervise it himself. So I guess they realized, oh, yeah, maybe we didn't do this justice or we kind of need to service the fans if we want this to not be a giant bomb. And that doesn't mean put Megan Fox in as April. Yeah. And also That's not changing. <laughs> yeah. And the big thing is this movie is supposed to come out at the end of the summer. So if they're reshooting a third of it, I don't oh know how they're going to make that date. No. No um, way. Yeah, so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you go. Turtles on a half shell. Turtle Turtle power. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to much better homages to 80s cartoons. In 90s. In In the 90s. Community is they just did their wonderful return to D&D episode, which is great. But this looks like they're going above and beyond anything they've really ever done, I think. It looks like they're paying homage to all of the great 80s and 90s moralistic action shows. I'm expecting some G.I. Joe. I'm expecting some Captain Planet. If they're smart, they'll give me a little bit of gem. Um, specifically, though, G.I. Joe. It looks like they're really going the G.I. Joe route. They've retooled the community logo um, to look like the G.I. Joe logo. There's this whole, the more, you know, and now you know, and no one is the half the battle kind of but, thing. Going. But half the thing about community is that they won't just pay homage to one thing. Like, they, they'll give us more bang for our buck than that. I, I think it's going to be great. I, I wasn't going to watch Community again, but they suckered me back because... He, like Moffat does to me. He, yeah, they, they sucker you back in. You don't have to like somebody personally to like their work. That's yeah, just how it comes that's, down to that's it. Pretty much, that's pretty much it. Um, but, uh, but also, last week or the week before last, I was at Horror Home Weekend. Woohoo! And it did not disappoint. It was an epic show. And also, uh, nice to know, it was a lot smoother and um, there was, it was just really smooth for a, as big of a con that it, uh, that it was. Um, I think that was due to the fact that Norman Reedus wasn't there. Yeah, that's so um, bad. You're so bad. Uh, no, I love Norman. I love Norman, but he causes giant Marcus. crowds. Hey, how was For the Wolf? For the Wolf was great. The The concerts were amazing. I got to talk to Christy. I didn't get to really see her until the very last like hour I was there. Now, um, Christy ran the um, uh, Leslie Jordan. and No, the, no. Um, Christy is the lead singer from For the Wolf. Oh, right, right. But isn't the girl who ran Christ- the... Um, Christy Jett was there, too. Yeah. And she ran the uh, Leslie Vernon and um, uh, right, right. Alan Tudyk. Oh, she ran the she ran the Tucker and Dale panel. Yeah, yeah, Tucker announced and Dare. That the sequel is happening. Yes, I'm so excited about that. That was amazing, and um, I got to uh, meet Kim Coates, which was a huge deal for me, and apparently him because he was very, very excited about the eight by ten I brought. That's uh, hilarious of him as the as um, Jonas Carey from the 1990 TV series. Dracula the series, which he grabbed it out of my hand and went, 1990 Luxembourg! And he was, like, freaking out. And, it was, <laughs> and I got did, hugs. And it did, was, you get, did you get me Alan Tudyk's signature? I did not get Alan Tudyk's signature oh. for you, because I got pulled away from Alan Tudyk's table, and by the oh. time I got back there, I could only grab a Tucker and Dale. He sold out of all the wash ones. Do, I couldn't believe. Do you know what this means? I'm sorry. This just means you're going to have to meet him again. I, so I can live vicariously through I, you. I will have to do that. I mean, he and poor little Alan Tudyk. He was sick, but he was a trooper. Oh, schmoopy. He was a trooper, and he was a sweetheart. And Tyler oh. Levine was a doll baby. Oh, I bet. And I bet you got on like gangbusters. Oh, I rode in with Tyler Levine, and he immediately <laughs> was like, "Where's the? Where's the?" Um, Where's the booze store? And I was like, well, they're all closed right now. You're in the Midwest. Right. <laughs> but uh, he was amazing. And his brother was great, too. Um, and uh, they both Aww. were there. And Tyler, by the way, is starring in a new Hulu exclusive series uh, that's going to be starting this um, 
this week, I think, um, uh, that he plays a man who is able to help ghosts. And, <laughs> and I, I, I'm, I hope that they talked about this a little bit. It's called Deadbeat, and uh, it looks great. And it's starting on Hulu exclusively, I believe, on the 4th. Uh, but yes, yeah, Scott Wilson was there, and Scott Wilson, as you know, is Herschel from The Walking Dead. Amazing guy. Had lunch with me. Aww. I kept giving him hugs, and he before he left, he gave me another hug, and he goes, I'm sorry we couldn't have hot sex this time. And I'm like, yes! Hey, you got it, Scott Wilson. And you told him, I'm a married woman. No, I would totally have hot sex again with Scott Wilson, because hot oh. sex is good. On the radio. It's wow. chocolate and ginger booze and it's delicious to say it um but yeah sharni vinson was there who stars in your next and patrick the new version with charles dance and i got to tell her how much i love that um it was just a great awesome show uh saturday night was the um pool party which was packed again and then that same night was the uh, we had like the five concerts it was rocking um, John Casser, I got to meet John Casser finally, and he's a cutie patootie if ever there was one. And I completely spaced on the fact that he is the guy responsible for 24. I couldn't believe that. I completely, <laughs> I never in my mind did I connect the two. <laughs> I knew the names were sa- the same, but wah, I, never put, I never put two and two together that John Casser, the man that does the voice of the Crypt Keeper is also the man who helped make Kiefer Sutherland back into being a badass. And so, yeah, that was funny. Um, but yeah, amazing show. The Evil Dead people were amazing. The get- Ladies of the Evil Dead, I love you all. They were sweethearts. Um, we did have one um, casualty, which was Tim or um, uh, Ted Raimi didn't make it uh, to the show. Aww. He was sick. Uh, but Everybody's been getting the crud this season before the con. Usually everyone gets it after after the con. The con but even you were sick before the con. Well, and I but I learned it's your friends for conventions are zinc and vitamin C. <laughs> um and take them every day and make sure to eat three times a day and uh don't kill yourself. And stay dehydrated and stay hydrated. Hydration is key as well. Um, but also the Tom and She people were there with their and I actually had one. I had a boomstick. <gasps> A boomstick is a donut with cherry bomb marscapone on it. And it had that along with a slice of what I think was like a Gouda type of cheese and Pop Rocks. Oh my gosh. And it was like crack. (laughs) And then the zombie dog people were there too. This is the only convention I know of that has a food court. And um, they had the zombie dogs. That a themed court, uh, food court, no less. Yeah, apparently. Uh, the zombie dogs were amazing. They're these really delicious homemade uh, hot dogs. And these had, like, um, the one I had was the taco one that had, like, taco bean and meat on it with shredded cheese, lettuce, and Fritos. Oh, my gosh. And they had a, a uh, sour cream with, like, um, uh, I think it was cilantro sour cream. On the hot dog. It's like nerd food for nerd foodies. Oh, God, it was delicious. And then they, on top of that, they had a Skyline Chili in there. And um, I... Oh, I miss Skyline Chili. Oh, God, that was good. I had everything. I bet you did. Um, And then Bruce Campbell was there, of course, doing his shtick in his suit. And he was dressed like Dick Tracy one day. (laughs) I can say that. Dick Tracy. It's it's telling. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Um, You love Bruce Campbell. Don't try and act like you don't. (laughs) <laughs> anyway moving on um but it was a great show <laughs> wow. and um yeah the uh clifton collins jr was there and he was amazing sean patrick flannery is a doll baby david della rocca was a doll baby i was up till like four in the morning four or five in the morning every night <laughs> of course and i was awake bright and early and bushy tailed when the show started so it was it was good i didn't die it was it was one not dying is good not dying is good yeah um so it was an amazing show and um we're going to be doing it all over again in september in indianapolis indiana 
and I know some of the people that are going to be there, so you'll want to that, that. That indie show is always epic, so you better get your tickets soon. Yeah, when they go on sale, uh, which I will let you guys know about, um, as of right now, um, we don't have the new site up yet, but um, be prepared for some announcements to happen soon. Yeah. And you can subscribe to um, our Facebook page, um, which is Fangirl Magazine, and make sure that you are following it. And also, of course, the Horror Hound page. Yes, Horror Hound um, and Horror Hound Weekend both have Facebook pages, so check those out. And then you can see me running around and say hi if you see me. Um, our friend Tracy was there selling her wares, which uh, includes the amazing Sammy t-shirt that Misha Collins wore while he directed his episode of Super. Aww. He freaked she freaked oh, and and that yeah and her doctor who gear that she sold and she gave me one of her beautiful little canine necklaces oh i oh by the way this is the first horror hound con that i saw two fours two tens and an 11 walking around wow and a couple tardises as gotta well. love the cross genre mm-hmm. speaking of i love you peter capaldi thank you <laughs> I must. I just gotta say that because if, if you follow me on Facebook, you'll know why. So speaking of um, horror worlds, <laughs> I know where been, this is going. <laughs> have you been keeping up on Welcome to Nightfield, my dear? I think I'm like two th- or three behind. Well, let me catch you up just in case. Catch me so up. Basically, what's happened is Strex Corp, who is the corporation behind the evil Desert Bluffs, has been slowly taking over. Um, Night Vale. And, you know, uh, Cecil, as usual, has been cautiously optimistic, but they went too far last episode because, and this is going to be full spoilers, folks, they um, gave him a present that then attacked Koshak, his cat. <gasps> Not Koshak! Koshak um, is actually, um, he's hurt, he's recovering now, but he no longer is in a fixed point in space. So he's been dealing with the fact that these people, he now is convinced that they're evil, but he can't say so because he works for them because the radio station has been bought by Strex Corp. And, um, but they've hurt his cat. They're oh, evil. God. And, um, but he can hold his cat for the first time. And so, like, as mad as you are and as, like, horrific as it is, you're almost, like, crying because he's so happy because he can hold his kitty and take him home. Oh. And, um, so... Things that have happened is we found out that Dana now, the intern that was lost to the dog park, she actually has found a way to wink in and out of existence a little bit. But she's got visited herself in the future, and she knows that she becomes corporeal again. She doesn't know how, but she, she believes she was very important in the future. So she's excited about that, that she has a future. And... Um, just the growing disease with Strex Corp. This latest episode has been called Cookies, and it's the first time that we see Cecil becoming angry, straight-up pissed. Sexy. He um, is starting to be a little bit rebellious, which he's been starting a little bit as we've been going anyway, but um, let's just say... uh, Two big bombs happen in this one. So if you don't want to know, spoilers, you just turn it off for a second. The two big bombs are, one, his niece Janice is a Girl Scout. And two, he hates her stepfather. And it turns out that his brother-in-law is none other than the hated Steve Carlsberg. (gasps) And so this puzzle is starting to fit together. So just, guys cookies this week is one of the best episodes it has a lot of um, understated horror it has a lot of suspense it made me cry the the weather was really good i'm actually i'm actually um going to be going online and buying the album that was featured on the weather so um check it out guys it's it's developing really nicely they've had they now have a second um uh story they to uh, pay what you want, donate, um, and get uh, uh, on the Bandcamp site, and you can get their first live show, which was Condos, which includes um, bits and pieces from all their different locations, 
and a kind of merging of that story. And then they have a new one coming out soon. So they've got a bunch of new swag in their store. We're huge fans of Night Vale. We're huge fans of Mr. Cecil Baldwin. So tune in and um, it, you can start from the beginning. They're free. Yeah, they are free, and they're all up on um, iTunes. I believe they have every episode up there still that you can get them all. Yep. And uh, we love that show, and I need to catch up, apparently, because I've been a bad fan. Yeah. Um, but speaking of surrealistic worlds that you can go into, uh-huh. the Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> I liked it so much. It was so good. Now, I, I have a confession to make. I've only seen one other Wes Anderson film. <laughs> And tell them what it was. The Fantastic Mr. Fox. <laughs> Sorry. And, and, and I, can't, I really, I can't really explain why that is. I, uh, I think I was scared off from, from them by really, 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 really ravenous fans. I don't I can't remember why I just avoided those movies because I was like scared of them or something. They're also not marketed very well. Like studios don't know what to do with them. So I think it scares people off who might enjoy it. But to be fair, it's not going to appeal to everybody. Right. It, it's very, it's sort of its own world. He creates in this, in these movies from what I can tell, like this in Fantastic Mr. Fox, I could see these people i could see the fantastic mr fox little creatures living yeah in the in like the kitchen of the grand budapest hotel i mean well, it, that and in, in previous movies he's done things like he's taken new york and fictionalized it to the point of creating landmarks that don't exist and purposefully not showing landmarks you know in new york or he'll do things um like in rushmore where he creates this little boarding school but it but in this one he's created an entire country but the country totally makes sense in the world that he's created. Right. And, and the characters are almost like artwork themselves come to life. Mm-hmm. Like the way they've, they've got Ray Fiennes dressed at, <laughs> at, in, in this beautiful purple pink. You know, he looks like a cartoon character. Well, and I think that uh, the, on top of being like a cartoon character, they're very evocative of a certain art style. Um, he does a lot of homages in his films. Life Aquatic was a huge homage to Jacques Cousteau. And this one was a huge um, homage to Stefan Zweig, who is a um, Austrian travelogue writer. <laughs> and so he wrote about places like the like the non-fictional places that are like the Grand Budapest Hotel in a very definitive voice and his cover artwork looked a very definitive way. And so they pay homage to him in a character played by Tom Wilkes or Tom... Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, Tom Wilkinson. I don't know why I can remember his last name, but um, he plays the character as an older man and then Jude Law plays him as a younger man. And then Jude Law is getting the story from F. Murray Abraham who's the older Zero, and then there's a young um, actor playing <laughs> young Zero. So it's a story within a story, and then at one point it sort of becomes a third story within that. Right, and, and it's it's one of those things I knew from, from, from previous people telling me about Wes Anderson flicks. There's always this little, there's this little thread of darkness throughout this pastel world that he creates, mm-hmm. especially in this movie. And it's personified by um, like Adrian Brody and um, why can I never remember his name? The Green Goblin. Why am I? Uh, oh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. And Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe's been in many, many Wes Anderson films. This is Adrian Brody's, I want to say second. Yeah. And, and they both are, they look like they stepped out of Rocky and Bullwinkle. If that yeah. He looks sense. like, I, I said, you know, to your husband, I was like, he, they made Adrian Brody snidely whiplash. Totally. Like, but like not in a car in, not in a way where you're like, Oh, he's no longer a real person. Just like in a fully realized, this is what snidely whiplash would look like if he was a real person. Right. And, and the, you know, the ending of the film and, and all that happens within it and the, the moral of the film itself is a sad tale in a lot of ways. And, but it's so beautifully done and it's so fun to watch that it kind of hits you like a kick to the gut when all the, when, when these parts happen, you go, what the heck? Like, 
because it's so fantastical it's like yeah. when something happens in a fantasy book um, right. but it's not a fantasy kind of story at all um the thing that i would say is that if you haven't seen wes anderson before i would not start with this film because this one is so it's kind of a peak it's kind of you see him building towards this and i um you know i think that an easy accessible one for people would be um would be probably uh royal tenenbaums or maybe um uh moonrise kingdom but if you start from the beginning from bottle rocket which is a very different movie but has these moments that you're like oh he had these worlds in his head the whole time right and they all kind of work together yeah oh absolutely they're all they're all very clearly in the same world um so let's move on to yes you should go see grand budapest by the way if that wasn't made clear if <laughs> we loved it so you should go see it um, let's move on to our T, our massive TV. We got oh, girl, one, two, so much TV. One, two, three. I'm looking at my list here, and I think we got like eight shows that we have to talk We've about. We've been watching all the TVs. All give me all the television. So first off, I'm going to start with my baby that um, that that ended up. Uh, I've been watching this surreptitiously through nefarious means nefarious means nefarious means um but three musketeers the bbc series that um stars uh peter capaldi as cardinal richelieu the most awesome fabulous bad guy you'll ever see and tom I mean, tim curry's played him come on i i know but but capaldi no i know but what i'm saying is like he's a fabulous character he's a fabulous character and he knows how to work his cave Mm. Um, so we have Tom Burke, Santiago Cabrera, Luke Pesquilano, and um, let's see, Har- Howard Charles, who is gorgeous. They're all good looking. You really, <laughs> you, you can't go wrong with the men in this show, and as well as the women like Tom Lacari and uh, Mamie McCoy. They're all beautiful women. Alexander Dowling. Everyone is gorgeous in this show, and um, it is beautifully done. The soundtrack is amazing. And we had a total of, I believe, 10 episodes um, for this season, maybe 12. Um, And I believe the last episode uh, just aired this weekend. And it was 10 episodes. They they are doing a second season, by the way. Um, And it was a hit. And but as we know. Peter Capaldi will not be returning as Cardinal Richelieu because he got another job. <laughs> I know you're really bummed about that. I actually am. It's <laughs> sad, but um, spoiler alert, he doesn't get killed off. So if if he gets the opportunity, he can come back and do a guest spot as the Cardinal. But here's what's awesome about the final episode that aired um, this weekend. Guess who co-starred in it? But they did not have a scene together. Uh, Matt Smith. Sean Pertwee. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> as a bad guy in black leather with well, that's guy for you. <laughs> yes, there was a problem. There was quite a few problems with that episode. Um, yes, good, bad problems. Uh, but yeah, the, the show is amazing. Even without Peter Capaldi in it, you will love this show. I'm going to keep watching it. Um, they, the actors that they have playing the Musketeers are amazing. Howard Charles, who plays Porthos, stirred up a little bit of controversy because guess what? He's African. He's in. A, he's he's black. Guess and, what? Alexander Dumas was black. Get over I know. It. I know. It's kind of <laughs> hilarious. There were people like, well, how can you have a black musketeer? Uh, 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 uh go bite one. Um, he's gorgeous, by the way. And he's like all Porthos. It's, it's amazing. And Tom Burke is super, super awesome. But Santiago Cabrera, who plays Aramis, holy moly. Holy moly. Um, well, they always make Aramis super sexy. Oh, he's he is your the epitome of a of a pirate looking dude. He is gorgeous. Um, but it was an amazing episode, and um, the 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 fact that Sean Pertwee was in this was so great. I loved it, and um, it, Capaldi just eats scenery like a, a pro. <laughs> he you was, have to if you're Count Richelieu. If you're he, basically like a, a, a an old timey drag queen, you have to. He, like, oh, he likes the women though. Oh, baby, he was he's all about the girls. And the, there is so much unresolved sexual tension between him and Milady de Winter that it's it is hot. Um, but 
Anyway, uh, before I go on about that, uh, as a birthday gift, BBC America is going to start playing this on June 22nd for me. Yay! For you specifically. Yes, the day before my birthday, <laughs> BBC America starts showing this. So you will get to watch the um, the series. And I think it's kind of funny because I believe by the time it wraps up, it will be August. And that will be the beginning of Capaldi's run as Do- the Doctor. So Aww. nice timing, BBC America. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, uh, you should check out the Musketeers, and um, yeah, great series, and uh, very happy with with how they um, kept the Cardinal around, so he can come back if if so. And speaking of hot bad guys, Hannibal. Yes, Hannibal happened. That happened. Except for you, you have this weird attraction to Hannibal that I don't quite understand. I love the show, but you love Hannibal. Seriously, how can you not? I I, I don't. (laughs) I I don't understand you. He eats people, Jessica. Yeah? He eats people. (laughs) Soylent Green is people. Okay, so this season, I have been super happy because it's very hard to do a follow-up season to a first season like that. And the... They are just topping themselves each episode, I, oh. I feel like. And uh, this one was called Mukazuki, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's things happened that are going to change the show completely in this episode. Like, hardcore. And uh, one of those things... Um, so, here's going to be some spoilers, FYI. Um, Beverly Katz is no more. Which is sad, but also, why won't they just tell tell Jack where they're going? This is the second girl that has gone after Hannibal. Like, tell someone, <laughs> in case I do not return, I was eaten by Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> well, and this episode has, like, everybody comes back. You've got uh, Eddie Izzard's in this episode. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have to make a point of saying that the way that Hannibal... Per, uh, like showed off Dr. Katz, Dr. Katz, <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> sorry, Comedy Central, um, Dr. Katz's body was almost like an honoring of her. Yeah, it was very reverential. It, it was like she wasn't, she wasn't killed because she was rude or because it was mostly like, oh, you're, unfortunately you were smart enough to figure this out right and i think the way that he displayed her um was a kind of a nod to who and what she did who she oh was yeah oh absolutely. Did. and it, it was really beautiful in a in a very creepy way um and then also i have to say i think okay as the episode progresses will finds his uh groupie who was played by the actor who plays... Um, Jonathan Tucker is his name. Yeah, yeah he plays... Uh, I want to say his name is like Pete Smalls on Parenthood. He plays like the all-American, like, uh, good-looking mayor, mayoral candidate. <laughs> well, and I, I remembered him from... Um, he played in Masters of Horror, this episode called mm-hmm. Dance of the Dead. And he was also in um, The Black Donnellys, which I knew him from. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's, he's a really good looking dude and it's kind of funny because I think that I get the vibe and I could be completely wrong I'm talking completely out of my brain here but I almost want to say that character is who they would have picked David Tennant to play because I got he he looked like he looked like David Tennant would look in this show because he was up for a role in this and then I think Grace Point happened yeah. And so he couldn't be in it. And I, I could totally see this as a David Tennant role. My God, just think. Um, but anyway, Will gets pushed over the edge by Beverly's death. And he becomes what they all think he is, which is a vengeful, crazy man. And you know, he's... They, Go ahead. They, they do something brilliant in the show. And, and it really comes into play in an interesting way when he's first confronted with her body, which is... They um, have this beautiful um, percussion drum that builds, and sometimes it really lends to the mood of the scene, but it's so out of place in the scene. Like, you, he comes in, and you just want it to be quiet. You want to have that moment. And and it go, and about the time I'm going, oh, my gosh, can you stop with the drums? It's actually driving me crazy. He, like, freaks out and stops the drums. 
and you're like, oh, crap. That's what it's supposed That's to be. That's what's doing. happening. Yeah. And it's so brilliant because it's so, it's kind of subtle until it's not, you know? Right. And I just love that as a, as a piece of storytelling. I think that's brilliant. Well, and, and this episode has a lot of Will, how is Will going to play opposite Hannibal? And this episode shows you how he's going to do it by using people as his hands. As at the, at the same time, he's really having a hard time with it. I mean, the whole scene where he's envisioning himself becoming the stag, you really realize that he is not unaware that this will, if he pursues this, it will, it will have it's dire going, consequences. It's going to change him. And, right. and so it's kind of funny because Dr. Gideon, um, Eddie Izzard's character actually knows that what's going on. He realizes that this is going to be detrimental to Will. It's going to change him forever. And he knows that Will isn't this killer that everyone thinks he is. So he tells Alana, you know, this is what's going to happen. He's going to, he's, he's going after Hannibal. Right. Because, and, and so what ends up happening is Jonathan Tucker's character is named Matthew. Matthew is his groupie who actually works at the asylum and so Will basically tells him, I want you to, no uncertain terms, kill Hannibal Lecter for me. Yeah. Uh, do me this, do me this solid, go kill Hannibal. And not only does he use Matthew, but he uses Freddie Lowndes to get Matthew out in the open for him. So he's using every trick he's got because he's locked in. Because he's the smartest guy in the room. Right. And so um, what happens is Matthew gets Hannibal while Hannibal's at the, at the um, at a swimming pool. And almost succeeds in killing him. And there's this long scene of, of Mads Mikkelsen strapped up. He's actually got a noose around his neck. And his, he's got his arms taped up where he's sliced open his veins and he's bleeding out. Well, and what's funny about that scene is that you get the idea, you get this feeling that, like, Hannibal doesn't even really care that he's dying as long as he gets some kind of credit. It's like he still wants to be known. Well, and that's what it, the whole first season's about is he's he is the uh, the ripper. And when when uh, Eddie Izzard's character Gideon is made to be uh, out to be the ripper, that pisses him off. Yeah, that's the whole thing. It's like, this is my art. You right. can't take credit for my mine, you plagiarist. And that's that's rude. Plagiarism <laughs> is rude to Hannibal Lecter. So basically what happens is they save Hannibal. Alana and Jack go and they, they save him. Um, they don't kill Matthew. He's still around, by the way. And so they end up saving him. And now Hannibal knows that Will has sent this man to kill him. So the game is on. Yeah. So next week, or well, tomorrow. Here's the other thing. The guy is still around. It doesn't say that the guy died. And he knows the truth about Hannibal. Right. And Hannibal was trying to get Jack to kill him so that he wouldn't say anything. Right. Well, and then next week, what we see is uh, Jack is starting to sort of believe. Because we know eventually he he gets it. Right, because that's the very first episode. Right, and so he goes to Hannibal's dinner party and takes a to-go plate and has them check it for people. <laughs> and, and But on top of that, Hannibal's going to get some, is what I'm getting from this. Because he's wow. like, I'll give Alana Bloom your best. And then the next scene, you see him and Alana kissing. In, no! In, a, in bed, and, and it's, it's, it's hot. And um, That's going to ruin her. Oh, no, no. No, nope. she's going to be ruined. She's no. going to be a Husker reform herself. I wouldn't be ruined by that. That's, yeah, but Alana Bloom would be. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Let's be really honest. Hey, she, she had her chance with Will, and she decided no. She didn't decide no. She thinks he, he went crazy. Oh, too bad. So sad. <laughs> too bad. So sad. You got you got to kiss Mads Mikkelsen. I, I, I don't have any sympathy for you. <laughs> I sometimes worry about your moral compass. What uh, compass? All right. Well, we need to talk about moral compasses like the fact that Blacklist. We only have three. We have a three week freaking hiatus on Blacklist, which is crap, by the way. Just have to say. Um, but then it comes back on April 21st. And then we only have three episodes left. Um, now, the thing with this last episode, um, did you did you get to catch it? 
No, it was I had to it had to pick between Hannibal and that, and I picked Hannibal. Okay, but go ahead. Actually, maybe I did. Go ahead and talk about it. We'll okay, out. so in this episode, it was it was a really kind of a messed up one. Um, at this point, uh, Lizzie knows that her husband is bad, and she's got to figure out um, what she's going to do about this because the they 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 need to figure out how her husband Tom, who he's working for, why he's done this, why he's you know, because it's a, been a long con that this yeah. guy's been doing. He's he's been committed to Sparkle Motion. They were going to adopt a baby, right? And so ends up happening in this episode. It's called Milton Bobbitt, and this gentleman Milton Bobbitt um, is he has no nose. It's a fake. That sounds familiar. And he's got patches all over his skin, and he's definitely, obviously, a sickly sick man. And that sounds kind of like Gary Oldman in uh, Hannibal. Um, that's going to be happening this season, by the way. <laughs> um, with Sorry. with Pretty Boy from um, Boardwalk Empire. But anyway, um, Michael Pitt. Um, anyway, so Milton Bobbitt, he basically gets people that are dying to do suicide, murder suicides for him. For uh, the money that he would pay them goes to their families. And so this is uh, Red's way of, of giving Elizabeth a case to cover up the, the investigation of Tom. Right. And so they, they figure it out and they, they catch him and it's a very depressing and sad thing because the reason this all happened to him was because of a, this guy did drug testing without the proper, you know, testing stuff that he should have done before it started. And he was after the, the doctor who killed him or basically murdered him. He's still alive, but he's dying. He has no nose. Right. It, it's messed up. You see it quite often. Um, <laughs> but anyway, while this is going on, Lizzie and Tom renew their wedding vows. What? And because he, this is his idea of reeling her back because he's got an idea that she knows something. Well, the, his brother, who is not really his brother, but who married them, turns out he is also a weird agent guy like Tom. You don't know who he works for. Um, so they get hold of him and they're going to make him talk and he ends up killing himself before he can talk. So you still don't know. No, they're going to drag that out. Until oh my they get God. Renewed. And then on top of that, you still don't know if he's her dad or not. And if he is her dad, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. He's because totally her dad. He better not be her father. Sweetie, he's totally her dad. He said he wasn't. No, sweetie. And then he told everybody else he was. So no, like, he didn't. He never said that. Mm-hmm. He's never said he's her father. And he will not tell her. She actually, like, freaks out on him and tells him, like, what are you to me? Yeah, and, but and, I don't care. He's her dad. Nope. He's not my dad. head. Not my head. That's because you were a shipper. Yeah. You well. shipped them, and that is your ship. Yeah. I'm calling it. Yeah. No, he's our You dad. cannot be biased about the story any longer because you have found your ship. Dad. And you know what, though? That won't stop other people from shipping them. That's Dude, the, sad, have, that's that's the, the sadness that's of our that's fandom. That's the reason we have Wincest and Thorkey, because people who ship incest are messed up. Uh, Just saying. And, and that means George I, I am okay with shipping a lot of things, but incest, no, no, no. George no, no. R. Martin, you are a bad shipper. Uh, <laughs> that's a true story. All right. So, Rachel, tell me about Drag Race. Oh, girl. Girl! Okay, this last episode is was called Oh No, She Better Don't. And <laughs> it was a 90s rap challenge where the queens had to rap and they had to write their own verses and then they had to rap in front of Trina and Eve. Ooh. And uh, they had to do it 90s rap style, though, like Lil' Salt and Peppa. Um, yeah, and um, it was pretty awful <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> They're, it was actually better than you would think because they do have a lot of talent on this season but they also have like a lot of people who psych themselves out so like two of the queens that i thought should have killed it which is um oh tree uh the the one who always calls herself a kardashian and the, why would you uh, do that on purpose and darian lake Darian, who I love and should have killed it because she's a comedy queen, totally psyched herself out. Like, bad. So bad, I was afraid she'd be in the bottom, too, but she wasn't. Um, my girl, 
my girl um, Bianca. She is still Bianca Del Rio. She's still in it, but she did not win anything. That she should have won the little. They did their little library challenge. That's an homage to Paris is Burning, and which is where they line up. And in front of RuPaul, they each read each other to filth. So it's not just that you're reading somebody and like making fun of them. You have to be funny. And Darian Lake won. And I was like, how did Bianca not win? Bianca's a stand-up comedian for a living. And she's funny. She's like, she's like, uh, she kind of reminds me of, uh, like, kind of Troy as a drag queen. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> I not look like Troy as a drag queen because that would be not right. But she she has that sense of humor that I just really like. And so I was, I was kind of shocked. I'm kind of shocked that she hasn't won anything yet. Um, uh, and... Um, so they did, they did the reading, and there was all this drama because Laganja Estranja needs to grow up, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> like, Laganja, who I started out really liking, I'd seen her perform before, and I really liked her, just could not keep her mouth shut. She is not funny. She is not awesome. She just needs to shut up. So anyway, they had these two teams, the Pantyhose and the Rutang Clan, and they had like um, rap battles. Adora Delano was kind of the person who won, which I I don't really see it, but sometimes things just don't tr- um, translate to the screen. Um, Jocelyn Fox, for the first time, we were like, okay, you have a um, – you have a personality. So Trinity K. Bonet, who should have done really well and didn't, was in the bottom two, along with um, Milk, the Milk Queen. And I love the Milk Queen. I adore the Milk Queen. But she just did not bring – they asked her to do glamour because she does all this. She came out one night in a Pinocchio nose. Like, she's awesome. She came out one night in a beard doing drag. Um, but she – her her beauty thing was low rent. Her rap was not on point. She and Trinity K. Bonet had a, uh, they lip synced for their life. And Trinity K. Bonet was just like in the song. And she keeps on complaining, like whenever there's a challenge, I don't do this. I'm a lip synker for a living. And um, it's true, though. She she will lip sync the house down. Um, but she just needs to step it up. I mean, RuPaul actually interrupted her twice. Yeah. Like, RuPaul was like, okay, stop talking. (laughs) So, and Ru is not usually that sassy. She's been a lot sassier this season. So, um, but, oh, no, she better don't. The single is up on iTunes. And the proceeds are going to the um, LGBTQA um, homeless shelters in Los Angeles. Nice. So if you are so inclined to get some music to Vogue to uh, check it out. Well, that's and a recap of the craziness. What is Speaking of craziness. Shield. Why are you still watching it? Actually, you're not going to believe this. This was an actually a good episode. I don't believe it. End of the beginning is what it was called. And this one had um, uh, Bill Paxton was back. Um, and we had um, Mike Peterson as Deathlock, officially Deathlock. He oh, looked like shitty. Deathlock. He was all Deathlocked out. And he, was, and he was in was it he, for. Was he, he the Deathlockiest? <laughs> he was the Deathlockiest. And he was officially in it for, I, it felt like maybe five minutes. Um, the rest of the episode dealt with the fact that Melinda May is not who she's not being truthful to Coulson. They figure out she's been in contact with somebody and, um, Oh no, not somebody. Well, you don't know if it's the clairvoyant or who she's, she's working with. Is it, is it a theory on the other end of that line? You don't know. She's been, um, giving reports on the shield team. Uh, they finally officially make Sky an agent. Yay, whatever. You know how many Sky Colson shippers there are? I cannot believe it. That's all I see of this fandom on Tumblr. Yeah, but you know what I've heard? They're actually going to bring in his cellist. Really? Yeah, that's the rumor. Um, so anyway... Uh, the episode was actually really good. Uh, I Sky wasn't really that annoying in it. They actually started butching her up a little bit as an agent 
Um, yeah, well, I guess that would be the term to use. I don't know. Um, but the, the surprise of the episode for me was they're all searching for the clairvoyant. So they all split up into teams to find the clairvoyant. And Coulson and, um, and Ward uh, and, um, oh, shoot, is it, oh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, let's see. Uh, Coulson, Ward, and... Uh, we'll just call him Paxton. They, they Bill Paxton, Bill Paxton, show up to the um, to the their facility they go to, and they find a guy named Thomas Nash, played by Brad Dourif. Really, I didn't know <laughs> Dourif was in this, and so he shows up, and uh, he is immediately shot by Ward. <laughs> and, and uh but he's got this great voice and he's telling them you know uh you know we're gonna do this with we're gonna kill sky and all this thing and that's what sets ward off shooting him dead and they figure uh colson's pissed off because he didn't tell ward to do that they were trying to figure out what was going on and so he, then he realizes well we don't know that this guy was actually the clairvoyant or not he could have been a dummy that they were you know he wasn't actually talking he was a vegetative state guy in a in a wheelchair talking through a computer that could have been anybody so you just killed someone that may have been an innocent man ward good job dang and so that's dark this yeah. has gone really dark the show's gone yeah, like, wow. wow and then it turns out you know with may may like there's a standoff between may colson has a gun on her may's got a gun on him Everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Everybody's gunning everybody, man. Yeah. And then um turns out at the hub of Shields Hub, Victoria Hand, uh, who is the chick that's been, you know, helping them out, tells everyone, kill everybody on board the plane, but Colson, I want to kill him myself. Oh my gosh. And that's how it ends. So you don't know what the hell is going on now. Uh, what? What? is actually going on yeah and so um this here's what's interesting though ratings for this episode were like the second lowest of the season it's because people stopped watching yeah and and so i think it's you know i know they're gonna get renewed i think they've already been renewed but the the funny thing is this was a perfect time for them to tie into captain america and they didn't do it that's really my problem with the show. Unless, unless that, that this whole thing where they're, you know, in Captain America, you see shield agents attacking Cap in the trailer. Unless they somehow tie this together like that, I don't, but I don't think it's going to do it. I don't know. I didn't get that vibe. I just, I just have a problem with the fact that it, it should be awesomer. <laughs> like, right. I just can't go back to it because it, it just promises so much and it delivers so little. And the truth is, um, actually, the last thing I heard was it had not been renewed, but it had not been canceled yet. Yeah, and I can see that, too, because they're wanting to see what happens with the release of Captain America, probably, with it. Yeah, but the truth is they, they don't do the tie-ins very well. Well, they're not tying in hardly anything. I mean, what yeah. they did with Thor was how many months after Thor 2 came out. Well, that's out. what I'm saying, is, like, they don't... I, I was kind of hoping it would be, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, great, the Avengers have been here. Let's go in and... I thought it would be kind of Men in Blacky, maybe, you know, like... No, they they wasted too much time on the whole sky thing and and making it touchy feely, and then now suddenly it's they they did that switcheroo where at with that Tahiti episode, man, it flipped and it became this but it was, darker. It was too little, too late. It though. was too late for a lot of people. So, eh, it was a good episode. I, I'll tune back in to see what the hell is going on because now they've got me intrigued, and I wonder who else is going to pop up that I didn't know was going to be in it. Um, speaking of the Walking Dead finale happened i wrote up a review for you all on fangirlmag.com but real quick i wanted to talk about that um this was a great episode on a mediocre season i i felt like there was too many wasted opportunities too many stretched out poorly done episodes it mixed in they could have done a lot more with this season it felt like two seasons smushed together because of how different they both were um, it didn't flow very well to me, but this episode was a really good episode. And I, I talked to Rachel about, um, about how they kind of, and in the, in the review as well, uh, how they flipped convention on its head with this season. Um, specifically having the serial killer type child 
be a girl. Right. It was a big deal that it was a girl. Typically, and in the comic even, it was a boy. And then in this finale, the big, oh my God, I'm never watching Walking Dead again. How dare they do this? Well, you you were okay with them blowing away the little girl who was a psycho killer? But this bothered you? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, They actually... It's a it's a boy that is going to be raped. Usually, that kind of attack happens to a female, but on these shows, on these shows, any show, usually, if there's somebody going to be raped, it's going to be a girl or a young woman. Right. This was a young man, and it was a traumatic effing scene. I'll tell you that much. And um, it spurred his father, who was being forced to watch, to rip a guy's throat out with his teeth. Um, it was some brutal, brutal stuff. And this actually happened in the comics too. So if you're in shock by this happening in the show, you have no business watching the show because the, the, the source material for this has that in it. So be aware. Um, and it also means that you're a healthy person because you should be upset by that. I right. Mean, that's and that's the, the point, point of it. Yeah. This is what happens when there is no, no government. There is no type of law anymore. This is what happens when the world has fallen and um, anything goes. So it's it's realistic in that regard. I really enjoyed this episode. It made me sad to see Herschel back in a flashback. I really do think they're regretting killing him off. <laughs> and um, but yeah, now you can only Obi Wan him like this. So, uh, but great episode, great finale, um, nice little cliffhanger that they did. Um, and yeah, Terminus is totally filled with cannibals. That's all I'm going to say. Um, once upon a time, really quickly, before we get to how I met your mother. <laughs> I think we're almost out of time. We might not get to how we I met your mother. We have five minutes. I have been watching the clock. We have five minutes. Once upon a time, surprise death that no one knew was going to happen. Bell- died? Bellfire is dead. Neil <gasps> is gone. What? Michael Raymond James finally died. He dies in everything. Oh. Except for Terriers, which that series died. Oh. But he- See, and I I watched this all in one season, and I was like, I actually like Balefire. It's a very sad episode, and um, he he dies keeping his father safe and bringing his father back. Oh. And, and it is messed up. Rumpel's gonna be pissed off. And um, Would you like... Yeah, I always always make my rumple angry. Um, it was it was just a very sad scene, and it is a final death. By the way, it's done. He's gone. No coming back for Bellfire. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a big surprise uh, death for a lot of people. And actually, uh, Michael Raymond James had to go on Twitter because people were making up uh, stories about why they killed him off. And he's like, I, he went on Twitter to tell everyone, no, I did not trash my trailer. No, it wasn't because of this. It was actually a choice by the series makers to do this as the story. And I was fine with it because it, it helps propel the story along. Yeah. But great episode. I bet. Um, How I Met Your Mother, the finale. Not so great. I, okay, so here's the thing. I, um, How I Met Your Mother is another one that I watch all in one go. And so I just decided to read and watch clips to see the ending. And I'm glad I did because if I'd wait, like watched all the way through and gotten to that ending, I would have shanked somebody. I think you and everybody else, somebody actually, um, I, and I had a uh, full confession. I've only watched like two or three episodes of the show and I kept up with it. From, I've seen every season up to this season. From recaps. And I am glad I did not give any sort of time or effort to this series well, because of just, how they ended it. This is the thing that I would tell you. It's still worth watching the series. Just don't watch the last episode. Because here's my problem with the last episode. They've said from the beginning that after season one, they came up with the ending. And they've been working towards it the whole time. It's very, the, um, the um, continuity is really good. The problem is that the characters grew and changed and became different people and they did things that they didn't expect to do at the beginning. And their finale does not take that into account. Well, and I don't like the fact that basically he's telling the kids, I'm fine with, spoiler, I'm, we knew the mom was dead. I mean, I knew that already. But I don't like the fact that the whole 
storytelling was to be get the kids to be okay with me going after Robin to Bellinker. See, but the problem is that. Well, first of all, it wasn't really told like the mother was dead if you watch the series. The I, I, but I knew. I'm sure you did. But <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it wasn't done like that. So a lot of people didn't know. The other thing is, Marshall and Lily get divorced. And that is so out of their character. It's out of Marshall's character to get divorced, period. And secondly, if they went through a giant breakup and this whole super solidifying thing, that um, is not something that you go through and then things fall apart later well and somebody um because i know we have to wrap this up but somebody did do a re-edit yeah and it's awesome watch that it really is just just you you should still watch the whole series just watch that instead of the ending the other thing is they fly by 20 years in like no time well and the other thing that i find funny before we wrap up is i think that they may have just effed up the 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 uh spinoff yeah because no one's gonna watch it now people are angry about this (laughs) we know yeah i mean it turns out like the mother died what like 12 years after six six years before the the he's telling the story yeah so like 12 years after they get married yeah and it's like why that means that you're gonna invest in this character in the side life knowing that she dies tragically yeah, it, it's not not very well done, and a lot of people are angry. Well, and it's ridiculous because it's just it's just not in the character of the show, and so a lot of people are like, if you wanted him to end up with Robin, why not just do a fake out and be like, oh, it was Robin all along? Yeah, I mean seriously, and now no one's going to watch. No one's going to watch this. The How I Met Your Father. Yeah, once bitten, thing, twice shy. It's but you know, and I keep on making this comparison at the end of Mad About You. I hated the ending of Mad About You, but it made sense. The problem with this is I hate the ending and it doesn't make sense. There you go. So everybody, um, I'd like to thank you for listening to us bitch and wine about about TV. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next week with a bunch more goodies for you. And uh, Captain America! Captain America! 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 Um, so we will be seeing Captain America and we will give you our thoughts on that, um, tonight, actually, as of this airing, we'll be watching it. So thank you again for listening and there's Fangirl Radio out.